0: Let's pray. Father, uh, uh, Lord, we do look forward to what we're going to learn today. And God, I do pray. I pray, Lord, that as we get into this and, and just continue, again, observing men and women who walk by faith, who trust you. God, just encourage our hearts. I, I think especially today as we, we look at a couple guys that, God, weren't so good. And, and, and uh, Lord, I think that would bring all of us encouragement. We know that there are times when we do really well, and then there's times where it just gets so hard and so difficult. And, God, I pray that once again we would learn uh, from uh, the, the men who have gone before us, the women who have gone before us, we would learn to trust you. And Lord, the main thing we would learn is that, God, it counts on your faithfulness, not ours. And that we would learn to trust that. So I pray you would bless this time and that you would encourage our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we've been looking at Abraham for a little bit. Now we're going to switch and, and we're going to look at his son, and his grandson and his great-grandson. We're going to do three guys today, and uh, only three verses, but three different guys, kind of go through them fast, but the area that we're covering today, if you've been doing your Bible reading, we've we've read that recently, but hey, if you haven't, just read this for homework. Read Genesis 22 through the end of, of, of Genesis, so that's about half the book of Genesis. I would just encourage you to stop and read it, kind of get refreshed on on what's going on, and. I gotta be honest, this is some of my favorite places in Genesis, I know, you know, like we like the creation and then, and then maybe the flood and those things, but I love reading about these guys and, and just their interaction with each other, their interaction with the world, and then their interaction with God. And as we work through this, the couple, Isaac and Jacob, you know, I gotta be really honest, Isaac and Jacob, they're kinda like, wow, really? I mean, do you ever read your Bible and talk to it? Like, I do that sometimes, especially with Jacob. i got to be really honest. When I get to Jacob, I go, God, you're kidding. Like, really, Jacob? But, you know, Isaac's not a whole bunch better when you think about it. And uh, look at him. Now, here's the interesting thing, just a, just a little fact kind of uh, off topic. Isaac lives the longest of all the patriarchs, whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or we're gonna see Joseph. He lives the longest, yet he gets the shortest amount of time. He gets like two and a half chapters devoted to him. He's in in, scattered kind of throughout and, and in, but like two and a half chapters, yet he lives the longest, and it seems like we know the least about him. And I would say Isaac's greatest act of faith came when Abraham went to offer him and went to uh, to w- worship the Lord and do that sacrifice. I think that was his greatest act of faith because I don't believe he was a little guy who had nothing to do with it. I believe he was at least a teenager, if not in his 20s. So that was a great act of faith. After that, not so much. So let's read uh, verse 20, and and then we'll, we'll talk about him some. And again, you can read the other for homework and look at it. But it says, by faith... Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. So, listen, I think it's important, and I think a a kind of a better way to read this is by faith he blessed them concerning the things to come. Because his whole idea of blessing them wasn't really by faith. Now, again, kind of backing up a little bit, I think, I think Isaac did a good job when he was Abraham, and he went up for that sacrifice, and, and he willingly gave himself. But then after that, not so much. Hey, when you study his life, like again, and, and we don't have a whole lot, and it doesn't sound real exciting. Now, the one thing he did is he did copy his dad, not in a good way, but in a bad way. Remember when a famine came? What happened when a famine came during his life? He went to Gerar, right? And once again, he looked at his wife. Now, I don't know how come Abraham and Isaac both had these really, really beautiful wives. And both of them would say, honey, you are beautiful. You are so hot. And then they would go, and those guys might kill me, so here's what I want you to do, tell them you're my sister. Now, how do you do that? Every time I read that, now some people listen, some people say, oh, I would do that for my husband and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, I, I know my wife, she would not be real pleased if I said, honey, when we get there, tell them you're my sister. I you know, and, and then you go, but you're protecting him because he's gonna die. No one knows he's going to die, that's in his mind. No one has threatened him, it's in his mind. So all of that, listen, he says that, so he learned that from his dad. As a dad, I found out that the things that your children seem to amplify are the bad things. They never amplify the really good characteristics, they seem to amplify like I'm a really, I'm a really bad driver. I talk a lot to the cars around me. (laughs) I get aggressive occasionally. And then I get in the car with my daughter. Oh my word. I'm like in the car and I go, what are you doing? And she like takes what I do and amplifies it. And I'm thinking, why don't you amplify the good things that I do and not the bad? Have you ever noticed that as a parent? it seems to happen so here we have him do that now you know you might say okay well he learned that from his dad that's not a bad thing but here's the thing he was supposed to be in a promised land the blessing went from abraham to isaac and i remember as a as a newer believer you know sometimes you have a hard time keeping all these guys straight right abraham isaac jacob all these guys i remember somebody told me this here's the way you can remember isaac belonging to abraham is that abraham had two eyes ishmael and isaac and kind of remember it that way and hey i you know that was like over 30 years ago that's still in my head every time i do it because sometimes i want to say jacob instead of isaac and i may even do that while i'm teaching but isaac it went from abraham to isaac and then isaac pulls this same thing takes off to Gerar, comes back and here's the thing he doesn't go right back in the promised land Check it out and follow him. What does he do? He roams around a bit, and here's what God does. Dude, get in the promised land. Well, I don't want to. Okay, so what does he do? And here's the thing. Abimelech called him out on lying, right? Don't you hate it when the world rebukes you? Like, I don't mind when a brother or sister comes up and rebukes me and say, hey, Pat, come on, man, why are you doing that? But when the world does it, Abimelech rebukes him, and then he uses the Philistines. Remember, he would dig a well, settle in, and what would happen? The Philistines would fill that well with dirt, and he'd have to move on. It's like God is going, mm, mm. Have you ever found out that God wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed And he's like he's like, I don't wanna go back there. And God like guides him back and he finally gets him to Beersheba by filling up the wells and moving him and, and he gets there. Then in Beersheba is where he kind of settles down and has a family. And that's where we come to him blessing his sons. We're gonna talk about his sons a little bit more when we get to Jacob, but you have Jacob and Esau, right? The twins that that are battling each other from birth, right? Even in the womb, it says they're battling each other. But even in the womb, what was foretold about them? The older will serve the younger. And yet, here's the thing about about Isaac. Isaac kinda, Isaac was a guy after the flesh. If you really watch him, he kinda went after, he had to overcome that. Much like a lot of us, the flesh draws us, especially in in the culture we live in, in America, the flesh just pulls on us all the time. And you know, if, if anything about Isaac, you can say, he's one who overcame the flesh by faith eventually. But then even in his flesh, what did he do? He knew that Jacob was supposed to get the blessing, but what does he do? I want to bless Esau. Why did he want to bless Esau? Think about why he wanted to bless Esau. Why? Because Esau was a hunter, and Esau brought him great food. And you know, now I kind of relate to that. Like I love to eat. I think eating is like way up there on my chart of things. You know, I know some people go, "Well, dude, you have to eat to live." And I know some people eat to live. I live to eat. You know, and I just I love food. I love good food. And and you know, so I kind of get that. I want to bless my son, man. He brings me good food. But it was also the manly man part of him. And so you have that whole ordeal, right? He wants to do the wrong thing. Esau's in on it. Okay, dad, I'll get the blessing. Although, what did Esau do? Do you remember what Esau did? Esau sold his birthright to his brother for a pot of lentil soup. Every time I read that, I think, seriously? Like, you might sell your birthright for a ribeye. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Prime rib, something like that. But lentils, it's like, yeah. Now I'm not saying lentils are bad, but selling your whole birthright. But he's already done that. Listen, Esau's already done that. He knows he did that, and they. Everybody knows. Listen, they all know. The whole family knows. The blessings going to Jacob, but there's all of this interaction. Talk about a dysfunctional family. I know that's not, not a term. It used to be, hey, in the 60s and early 70s and, 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 you know, maybe even on into the 80s. That was that whole thing. That was a big buzzword, right? Did you come from a dysfunctional family? Then they figured out by the mid-80s, early 90s, that every family was dysfunctional. There was just different degrees, right? But hey, these guys are messed up. And when I read this, listen, I get a lot of hope. I read especially this section here where you've got Isaac messing up or you've got Jacob and Esau doing their thing and Rebecca in her thing. And you all of this interaction and stuff. And here's what I think. They're just like a family. They're real people trying to do life, trying to figure out life. And they're people who they know what God says but some, for whatever reason, they're resisting that and they're pushing against that. And yet, Rebecca wants to make sure uh, Jacob gets a blessing, but she's doing it all, and if God promised something, God will get it done. Once again, hey, when the right outcome comes, it's not because of our faithfulness, it's because of his faithfulness. Don't ever forget that. Because sometimes we get all, we, got, we puff our chests out, do you know what God did? yeah he only did it because he's faithful not because you're faithful you know don't forget that we don't do it by words so so listen i'm when i'm reading my bible i'm going jacob chill out rebecca turn it down a notch god is going to get it done but they get in their little conniving ways and they do things none of us do things like that do we and they work things out, and then when he finally blesses them, and we'll get back to that when we get into Jacob, but, but listen, he blesses them, but here's what, here's what blows my mind. At the end of his life, what is Isaac looking at? He's looking at the future. At the end of his life, listen, at the end of his life, here's what he still knows. God is faithful to his promise, and God promised, Abraham God promised me and now that promise is going on to future generation and he blessed them concerning things to come. Remember that he gets to the end. Hey, all of the mess ups in between he gets to the end, and he's faithful. Now, I don't think that should be our testimony. I don't think that's a great testimony. I think we need to be faithful at the end, but I think we need to be faithful all the way to the end, not just at the end. But he does that. Listen, he believes God. What, what is it? In the very first verse of Hebrews 11, what does it say? Verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the assurance or the conviction of things not seen. What is he doing? What is Isaac doing? He's looking at things hoped for and things not seen and he's passing it on. So remember that part. That's the part I go, wow, that is great. So now he passes it on to Jacob, although he gets deceived and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. So we might say, listen, he finally overcame in spite of himself, the affliction of the flesh. He trusted God. And so then, in verse 21, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now, here's the thing. I get blown away by this. He gets to the end of his life, and you can read it when he starts blessing all of his sons, and looking at it, and we did just read it, if you're doing a Bible reading a few weeks ago, but man, he blesses all of his sons, goes through each one. But it's interesting, he doesn't bless the firstborn or even the secondborn or even the thirdborn. He goes all the way to Joseph. That should blow your mind because it's not how it works. And here's what, here's what I find fascinating As you look at God passing on the blessing and the promise, it went from Abraham to Isaac. Isaac wasn't even the firstborn. I mean, technically, yeah, you can go technically he was, but really, really he wasn't. Ishmael was. And so it skips the firstborn there. And then again with Esau and Jacob, it skips the firstborn and goes there. Have you noticed, listen, you can't put God in a box. And then you go, okay, well, every time it's been the secondborn, so maybe it would be Simeon, not Judah. And where does it go down to? Joseph. Huh. And then it says, listen, as he blesses his two sons, and we'll talk about that when we get to Joseph and and what goes on there, but as he blesses his two sons, it says he does it while he's leaning on his staff. Now, listen, I read that. I read that here. I read that in Genesis, and and, and I just go through, and I just go, okay, that's fine. Do you know that there's volumes almost written on, was he really leaning on his staff? Or was he laying on his bed? Or was he leaning on the head of his bed? Or was he on his pillow? I'm going, seriously? Like, why are we even caring about that? That's not the important part. The important part is that he's blessing not just Joseph, but Joseph's sons. And we're going to talk about it. He does it backwards. But let's talk about about this guy, Jacob. What a piece of work. Really, I mean, you look at him, and of all of the people, here's the thing, of all of the people that God blesses, I'm thinking, really, God? And then here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. He goes, Pat, I bless people not because, not because they're great, not because they've done certain things. I bless them because they need it, right? Of all the people now, now, if you look at it that way, doesn't Jacob need blessing more than anybody else because he's going to muck it up if he can, right? All of the conniving, all of the stuff, you look at his life, he cheats his brother, right? Mom and him come up with this whole idea. And I love that story. It's like, hey, when you go in to your dad to get the blessing and you take this food, make sure you put goat skin on your arms so he thinks you're his brother. Does that seem odd to you? Like, I know his brother was hairy, but Really? like goat skins, and then Isaac's heart of seeing, right? You guys know that story, right? And he touches him, he goes, well, you kinda, you feel like, you feel like Esau, the food tastes like Esau's, but you he, he got the voice of Jacob. And then his dad does this, every time I read this, I crack up, his dad goes like this. <laughs> yeah, you smell like Esau. How bad did Esau smell? I mean, do you ever like, look at that and go, dude, man, he's got skins on he's got hides on him. He had to be stenching, and he's going, Yeah, he smell just like my boy. <laughs> I'm going, Wow, that is weird. And he quote, steals the blessing, but he was gonna get the blessing anyway. Now, when we think about that, and Mr. Conniver, do any of us try and do that with God? Don't raise your hands. And we, listen, we, we do things, and here's what, he does that conniving and kind of figures that out and gets out of that. Then he goes and he, and he has that dream and he's praising the Lord, right? He's, oh, Lord, I love you. You're so awesome. You're so great. And then like five verses later, he's making a deal with God. God, you're so great. Now, God, if you do this, then I'm gonna do this. Although you're great. Do you guys ever make deals with God? Don't raise your hands. Negotiate with him. Here's the thing, God, I've got this plan and if we do this, then I, you know, and we go on and that's that's Jacob and then Jacob goes and tries to listen, it's it's this nature, right? He makes a deal with his mom and helps out, and then his brother's gonna kill him, so he has to run away, takes off. He has that dream, makes a deal with God, goes to his uh, future father-in-law, Laban, makes a deal with him, and gets cheated, makes another deal with him, and then that works out, and then he makes another deal with him and cheats Laban out of his father. I mean, you read all of that, and you're going, really, this is the guy you picked, Lord. This is the guy who's gonna carry on the blessing. And the Lord goes, yeah, Pat, because I bless because people need it not because they deserve it. Hmm, have you ever thought about that in your life? Again, next time you get really blessed by God, don't stick your chest out. You might go, oh yeah, I'm one of those guys. So he blesses him and takes care of him, and he gets back, and then we go through the whole story. Now we're introduced to the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, and you have these sons. These sons eventually turn into the 12 tribes of Israel. But you have all of that inner working as they start getting back into the promised land. Then the 11 brothers or 10 brothers actually sell one of their brothers. Do you ever ever read that and think that's a little odd? Like my brother and I, we fought like crazy. Like when I read where Esau wanted to kill Jacob, I get it. (laughs) The big brother wanting to kill the little, that makes my brother was the the older one. He probably would have killed me if he had a chance a few times. I would have killed him if I had a chance a few times. That's just brothers growing up. But my brother never like went to people and said, hey, you wanna buy Pat? It's like, it's like I read that and these 10 brothers sell their brother. How weird and how wrong is that? Like, do you read your Bible and go, these are some messed up people. They're people doing life just like you and I. We're trying to figure it out. And you see, that's what I love about the Bible. Doesn't, listen, doesn't whitewash all of their flaws. We get them, we get them warts and all, so to speak, right? They sell their brother and then they go back to their dad and here's the funny thing, they go back to their dad and and what do they do? They kill a goat. And sprinkle the blood on the clothes. Huh, does this sound a little familiar? Like sticking goat skin on yourself to deceive your dad. Now you're deceived by your sons with the blood of a goat on a coat? Huh. Remember, your sin's gonna come back to haunt you. You should confess it, get it under the blood, and get it dealt with. And then he goes through that whole trauma and trial and eventually he goes into Egypt, and that's where he goes to bless the two sons. Again, as he blesses his sons, you can read all of that, and then he goes to lay his hands on the two sons of Joseph. Wow. And then, at the end of his life, as he's blessing those sons, what does Jacob say? Joey? I like to call him Joey. Whatever you do, bury me in Canaan, don't bury me in Egypt. Does that kind of blow your mind? You see, at the end of his life, here's what he knows, God is faithful to keep his promises, no matter what, and I've got to be in Canaan, that's what we were promised. Now, again, he died without ever getting the land, Abraham died without ever getting the land, Isaac died without ever getting the land, so, but here's what he says, you take me and don't bury me here. And there's that whole thing where Joseph takes a whole entourage. Listen, the second most powerful man in the world takes a whole entourage, buries his father in the cave at Mikvah because that's what his dad wanted. That's where he wanted to be. And here's what that shows me. He believed God even though he had a messed up life, even though he, like, if he could mess it up, he did it on steroids, but at the end, it's like, I know what God promised. And I need to be in the promised land. So Joseph takes him there. Now we get to Joseph. Joseph's the one of the last born. I guess Benjamin's the last born. But verse 22, by faith... Listen, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his, bo- his bones. So now as we get to Joseph, uh, you know, Joe, to me, he's fascinating. And as we look at these three, like Joseph stands out from the other two because Joseph did things right? Right? Joseph was like, you look at Joseph and you always think, if you're a father, you think, man, I want my, my, my son, my daughter to be like Joseph. Joseph did the right. He made good life choices. He, you know, he trusted the Lord. He did things. He was faithful. And you're going, yes, he's a good guy, even to the end. And that's something to remember. But here's the thing that fascinates me about Joseph when was he sold by his brothers? When he was 17. Hmm. At 17, he's taken out of the promised land. And he goes through all of his trials, right? He gets traded a couple times, ends up in Egypt, ends up, uh, you know, in trouble with Potiphar's wife. That whole ordeal goes down, ends up in jail, does the visions, kind of helps out the, to the baker and uh, the candlestick maker, I always want to say. <laughs> but the baker and the cupbearer, and, the cup bearer and uh, you know, things kind of go well for one, not so well for the other one, right? But he told him that's how it's gonna be, and it came to pass, and the, the, the cupbearer finally, oh, like 10 years later, oh yeah, there's this guy joey i forgot all about it supposed to remember him now i remember him he finally gets out of prison and ends up the second most powerful man in the world that you talk about a rags to riches story that is phenomenal isn't it listen not just the second most powerful man in egypt because egypt controlled the world at the time second most powerful man in the world that is mind-boggling and then he dies at 110 so if my math is right He spent 97 years in exile or most of that time in Egypt. Think about that, 97, most of us aren't even gonna live to 97, 17 years in the promised land, 97 years out of it and at his death, what does he say? Hey guys, don't leave my bones in Egypt, take him to the what what is he what is he counting on the promise of god he's trusting the lord in everything now listen as he as he goes through all of his ordeal when dad comes in to bless his sons he brings them right Manasseh and Ephraim, and he brings them, and he puts Manasseh by, God, by, by God's, by Dad's right hand, and Ephraim by his left hand, because that's the way, that's the birth order. And do you remember what, what uh, Jacob did? He crossed his hands. And Joey goes, oh, Dad, you're getting a little senile. Like, put your hands. This is the older. And Jacob said, No, I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. And there again is a little bit of that, hey, you can't put God in a box. You can't say things have to happen this way. You can't, you know. And then you have this whole thing. But Joseph, at the end of his life, after spending 97 years, after getting to that place of elevation of the second most powerful man in the world, here's what he says. Guys, don't leave me here. And then here's what I love. Go back and read it. Here's what he says. Don't leave me here. When you leave, take my bones away. He doesn't say if you leave, when you leave. You know when the promise of the land was given over 200 years before that and no one has seen that promise fulfilled yet, but what is Joseph counting on? Not past testimonies, not what's happened to others. What is he counting on? The promise of God. And you and I need to get that ingrained in our hearts. It doesn't matter what happens to other people. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter if they get this or get that or, you know, go here or go there. What matters is, are you trusting the sure promise that God has given you? And are you trusting it through your life as a guide for your life? Or are you kind of going hit or miss? Listen, I, I, think, I think culturally, we're messed up. We're like totally a mess. Lately, it seems like I've really been drawn to, to uh, spend a little bit more time on YouTube watching some things. And I know uh, Pastor Robert Ferrell was here on, on uh, I was gonna say Wednesday, but Thursday. And I know he brought up some stuff and, and uh, talking about that. Are you noticing there's a trend? Not just in the world culturally, there is in the world also, and, and just not in America, but throughout the world, there, there's this whole trend, and here's what I keep hearing over and over. I'm listening to different people talk about different things, and here's what, the one thing I hear over and over, whether it's people in the world or people who are doing this whole new progressive Christianity thing that is scaring me bad that people are buying into, but here's what they're saying. Listen carefully. Here's what they're saying. Well, the truth is yada yada yada. And a person may be interviewing them say, that's the truth? Well, it's my truth. Oh. And here's what they're saying. You can't argue with my truth. No. I can't argue with your experience, but that's not the truth. And yet, we're drinking that like Kool-Aid, and everybody's thinking it's okay, and everybody's going along with that. Listen, there is the truth, and then everything else. And we need to be people that we understand that. Listen, I'm not gonna argue with somebody's experience. I get that. That is the experience you had. Doesn't make it a truth, it makes it an experience. And if it doesn't line up with the truth, it's not the truth or it's not even a truth. And we gotta be people who we wanna challenge that in a good way. Listen, we don't need to be rude and we don't need to be aggressive. And you know, me saying that is kind of like hypocritical because I get very aggressive. My wife goes, do you see your eyes? I go, no, honey, I can't see my eyes. And she goes, they don't look too good. Like, dial it back. I go, okay, I'll talk to people like this. Don't talk that way, and I'll close my eyes. But listen, it's disturbing, and it's a trend, and we have this whole thing moving, and, and, and man, it's flooding like crazy. And I don't care, you pick any topic, you can pick the LGBTQ and AI now. They're adding more and more things to it. So we might just say ABC, you know, whatever, and do the whole alphabet. You know, that movement, man, and, and they just keep adding stuff and they just keep doing stuff. Hey, you talk about that topic. All you can do is go by somebody's truth. You pick this topic. You can pick the topic of, uh, of social injustice. Hey, this is my truth. You pick the topic of this. This is my truth. Listen, saints, there's one truth and only one truth. And we need to be careful of that. And here's the thing why I admire these three guys. They didn't walk perfect. They didn't do everything right, especially two of them, especially one of them. But they held on to the truth. They held on to the truth to the end. And that's what we have to do. Listen, you want to make it through this life? Hold on to the truth to the end. And trust the Lord to the end and let him guide you. And I look and I go, yes, Joseph said, when you leave this land, take me with you. Make sure you take my bones. What did the children of Israel do? We're almost there, right? What did they do? They get ready to leave. I always love it. Have you ever noticed like in the Bible when things like, like you know, when Abraham lied and went to Egypt and, and pulled that whole shenanigans? What did the, what did the what Pharaoh do? He gave him a whole bunch of stuff, right? He gave him tons of stuff and said, get out of here. When, when, when uh, Isaac lies and goes to Zgarar, what does Abimelech do? He gives him a whole bunch of junk, right? Get out of here. I kind of love that idea. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking maybe it's a good thing to mess up and see what junk you can get no that's not the conclusion we need to draw and then the children of israel are in egypt and they finally let them out of egypt and what do the egyptians do take all of our stuff right and they load them up with stuff and then and then i i get this picture man is they're loading them up with stuff and as they're getting all that stuff and they're they're trying to leave and you know i kind of get the picture their carts are like and ready to break and stuff with all the stuff and then somebody goes Ooh don't forget Joey right we got to take Joey 400 years later we got to get Joseph because we told him we wouldn't leave his bones here so somebody as we're going out before you shut the gate get Joey and they take him 400 years later they remember why because God is faithful and the right outcome, the good outcome, whatever term you want to use, does not depend on your faithfulness. It depends on his faithfulness. And don't ever forget that. Because sometimes we get all puffy because we think we've done some great work. And yet we are, as evangelicals, what do we say? It's not by works, it's by faith. And then we get all puffy. Well, you know, I did this, and then God blessed me for doing this. And that sounds like works to me. Just chill out. And understand that God blesses who he blesses. It's good. I think it's good to receive blessings. But don't think it's because you're great. Because you're not. I hate to say that. I know some people maybe never will come back to church again. Pat told me I wasn't great. Well, you're not. But God is great. And I want to have the God these three guys had. I'm listening to somebody now. I don't believe in that God anymore, and it's driving me nuts. I shouldn't do this. But anyway, and here's what I think. I want to believe in that God. You see, I want to believe in that God. I don't, again, I don't care what your, you know, your truth is. I want to believe in the God of the Bible as he's revealed to me in Scripture because he is faithful always. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you, God. We thank you for the challenge. We thank you for these different individuals that we read here. And, and we have Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph. And, and Lord, again, we could, we, could spend, well, we could spend months on each one of their lives and at least two of them looking at it, dissecting it, doing everything. But Lord, it, all three of them, the author of Hebrews comes to the end of their life He doesn't talk about all of the things that they did or didn't do and the mess ups and everything. He comes to the end of their life and he says, they acted in faith. At the end of their life, they were still trusting you, God. And Lord, I pray that that's our testimony. I I want us to have a faithful walk between now and then so we can enjoy you and enjoy the journey. But God, when we get to the end, We need to know in our knower that you are faithful. And Lord, so take us today and put that deep down inside of us. That your faithfulness does not depend on us, but it depends on you. And that we would learn that and we would believe that and that we would walk in that. And God, I thank you. I thank you. We have testimony of people who weren't so good, didn't do things so right. And you remain faithful because of who you are, not because of who they are. And Lord, thank you for this testimony. And I'm gonna ask everyone to stay in an attitude of prayer. And you know what? Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. And maybe right now, he's just tugging on your heart because you've never taken that first step of trusting Him. You've never come to the place where you've decided you're gonna put your faith in God and trust Him for your salvation. Hey, if I'm talking to you, man, I want you to hear, I want you to hear my heart and I want you to hear the heart of God. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners and that's what every single one of us in this room, every person in this room has sinned. That's what the Bible says and the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And you can't fix that. That's bad news. The good news is, when he died on the cross, he suffered that death, not just a physical death, but he suffered that separation from God. He took that eternal damnation that you deserved and took it upon himself in an instant of time, for a moment, and he paid the price that you owe And now he tells you here, it's paid in full, trust me. Once again, back to this issue, believe me, trust the Lord. And if you put your faith in him this morning, you will be born again. And your sins will be forgiven and you will begin the greatest journey of your life. All you have to do is trust him. So if you want to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer out loud after me, or you can say it silently. Volume isn't important. What's important is the sincerity of your heart. If you're watching online, God's touching your heart. Join us in this prayer. You don't have to be in this room. If you're backslidden today, and I know it's still kind of a new year. We're still in the beginning of the year. And maybe you decided, hey, man, I want to I get back to Jesus. I want to get back to God. And you came in here today, back to the, and you know what, then come home. Say this prayer with us. Come back to Jesus. His arms are open wide. Come home to him, and he will accept you. Say this prayer. Jesus, today I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.